You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. This is for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. This podcast is a trust-based, trauma-informed, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. My name is Chris Turner and joining me as always, and yes, I'm going to continue saying that, Ryan. <laughs> Our Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> as always. Well, well, you know, I, I don't want to throw any surprises our <laughs> listeners' way because they're expecting to hear th- the three voices they always hear. That's true. I want to set that expectation early. Make sure, you know, mm. in, in our world of chaos, it's nice to have a little stability <laughs> where we can find it and knowing that it's the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla, as well, always, <clears throat> provides as always. some of that stability. Well, like Chris, honestly, it. I thought I thought you you're running for public office there in a world of chaos. Chris <laughs> Turner is chaos. stability. <laughs> Chris Turner <laughs> provides stability for your family. Oh gosh, I, I'm, go. I'm a little tired of the government providing anything for my family. Let me worry about that. Thank you very much. Okay, well, um, before we meander into politics, oh uh, yeah, good. Well, before, good plan. I, I, I know quite a few of our families have to deal with that on a regular basis, considering you know foster care system stuff. So, yeah, God bless That's all true. of you, sincerely. <laughs> yes, that is a uh, that is a morass I would not be willing to wade into. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we jump into tonight's episode, Chris. Um, I would like to tell everybody that we are recording this on Sunday, the 15th, the 14th of March, 2021. Now that's important because Chris, you and me and Kayla were together on the 14th of March, 2020, except you and I were watching ski patrol, bring my wife in a sled (laughs) down the side of a mountain. That's right. Yeah. If Kelly Roddenbush from the Sparrow Fund is listening, that's right. Today is the one year anniversary (laughs) of Kayla's knee destruction. Mm, Yes. The destruction of my knee happened one year. I had totally forgotten about that. Thanks for reminding me. Maybe that's why my (laughs) knee was hurting last night. Last night I was like, man, my knee is really hurting. Uh, Because the body keeps the score. Well, and Mm -hmm. it's still, you know, you don't think about knee injuries until you have one. And then all of a sudden you're like, golly, that takes a long time to heal. I mean, for real, it's been a year. Now, it hasn't been a year since my surgery. So I had to have surgery. I had to wait a few months for surgery. So, but still... It's crazy to think, though, where I was a year ago. I mean, like, literally, you guys were, like, carrying me through the lobby of the hotel. (laughs) Trying to find rolling chairs that we could do. We did find a wheelchair eventually. You did get a wheelchair eventually. Uh, Mm. My favorite picture might be the um, picture of me on the luggage cart trying to, like, stabilize my knee. We found the luggage cart first, (laughs) yes. Because it, it hurt to bump along as, you know, it was like riding down the brick hallway and stuff and going up and down little things. And it hurt so bad, but it was better than y'all trying to carry me. So You know what they say, babe? Everybody has baggage. And on that day a year ago, you were ours. I was the baggage. Quite literally. <laughs> For sure. Quite literally. 
Oh, my gracious. Well, happy me. anniversary, sweetheart. Oh, it's not an anniversary I'd like to celebrate. No, we just can move on from oh, so that you, anniversary. <laughs> so your knee didn't get you flowers or anything? Nope. Nope. Wedding anniversary, I'm good with. Anniversary of my birth, I'm okay. good with. Uh, knee anniversary? No, thank you. Well, okay. Yeah, we're good. But thank you for remembering. Okay. Oh, you're, you're welcome, sweetie. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, goodness. Well... <laughs> Transitioning away from oh, that's good. Well played, rather <laughs> remorseful well memories. Yes, we did talk about transitions in a previous episode, and I wanted to get back to that after talking with Dallas last time about his new baby. Mm-hmm. Another, you know, big life transition for he and his wife Denon. Uh, but we're going to talk about managing those transitions, especially yeah. for our kids who. Let's face it, uh, if you're a kid from a hard place, especially if you're one in the foster care system, there's lots of transitions that you've gone through rather Mm -hmm. rapidly, and you probably haven't had a chance to process. That leads to a lot of behavior issues that we've all seen uh, to one degree or another. And so I thought we could offer our parents some Mm -hmm. strategies to deal with such items. Yeah, I like it. Kayla? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, first we have to notice that that the transitions are causing a problem, right? I mean, first we have to actually be paying attention and not just stuck in the world of, oh, my kids are just driving me crazy. Oh, my kids are, you know, you know, the, the complaint stage, right? Where we all just kind of gripe and, and complain and this is making me crazy. This is making me batty. We have to recognize that it's actually a transition that's oftentimes causing it. Not always. I mean, there's, there's other things that cause crazy behaviors, but I think, being aware and becoming aware of how, you know what, my kids, every time we have to go from this activity to this activity, we struggle. Or every time, you know, we have to um, stop playing a video game and do, you know, something we don't want to do. Or every time we have to leave school or go to school or whatever it is, right? When we recognize that some of the issues that our kids could be having have to do with the transition it makes us become i guess able to handle it you know a- able to to come up with a plan for plan of attack so to speak yeah so you know you talk about make observations which which is a thread that runs through so much of what we talk about right being the world's leading expert in your child or at least on the road to becoming that because as as kid, as chris mentioned specifically you know kids in, in the child welfare system you, you may have, um, you know, you're going to have a short period of time if, if they are, you know, if they move back with, if it's a reunification situation or an adoption situation, right? right? And so, but even in that time, you have to be learning and studying and, and, and growing. I, I, asked a, um, I asked a foster mom a, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, what was sort of her personal philosophy on discipline? And she said, you have to find out what works for your kid and get in sync with that. Mm. And I love that answer because it does remind us that we have to do the work to understand our kids and make the observations, right? It isn't just, um, you know, you have to be paying attention the whole time, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, you know, a transition here at our house, if we say, okay, guys, we're going to your grandparents for, for dinner or for lunch. Um, we know that that's about a 30-minute transition, Chris. And so what we used to do before we knew better is we would say, okay, it's time to get get, get going. 
and then for the next 30 minutes in five minute intervals one of us would say something snarky our temperature would continue to rise until it reached boiling point uh we'd get out of the house we'd be angry in the car we'd get over to to the grandparents house the grandparents would would make snarky comments about our unpredictable arrival etc 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 so kayla and i because we paid attention realized that when we say it's time to go to your grandparents then first of all we have to find um, our shoes then we have to find our water then we have to find the lovies i mean we've talked about this before uh, i think the last time we did this and so what we did because we made an observation so it takes about 30 minutes now at 35 minutes before we need to leave we say hey it's time to go uh, in five yeah. minutes and it drags out and we actually are reasonably pleasant in the car we talk to each other we get to the grandparents we say hi and so um yeah i mean that's just the power of making observation and then once you've made those observations i certainly think that you have to make adjustments making an observation is not enough because people might say well i i know what's going on well if you're not making the adjustments because uh, along with us saying frequently that you have to be the world's leading expert in your children we also say that parenting is a leadership exercise mm -hmm. and here is your chance to, to lead and and you can't you know abdicate your responsibility in the leadership department because you know the kids aren't listening that's that's when they need your leadership more than ever <laughs> that sounded i wish i could annoying. do a great win Oh, is that what you're going for? Winston Churchill impersonation. More than ever. It sounded there like some kind of like political speech. So I'm glad that's what you're going for because that's what it sounded like yeah, all of a sudden. I just, well, I don't know what I was going for, but as I heard the words <laughs> come out of my mouth, I thought, I wish I could do a great Winston Churchill because that sounds like something Winston Churchill might say. That was funny. No, and that I think. Maybe, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said maybe I'll work on my Winston Churchill impersonation, re-record -re that and ask Dallas to edit, edit it. <laughs> that's funny. No, I'm not going to do that. No, that's, that seems like a, a lot of work for an impersonation. Excessive. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're Excessive. really good at impersonations, so you just have to work on the Winston Churchill. I mean, I don't know how you're going to work that that's in with of... children. <laughs> a Winston Churchill impersonation. Never before. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't bad. That's, that's good. I like it. Chris, you're a bit of a historian. That wasn't bad. We shall observe in the minivan. We shall observe in the bedroom. We shall observe in the bathroom. We shall observe in the kitchen. We will make our adjustments, whatever the cost may be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was there fantastic. Go, okay, Chris is on the Winston Churchill um, impersonations. Chris, yeah, Chris is the show Winston Churchill impersonation. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. The only thing missing was we shall make observations in perpetuity. Um, <laughs> so that's all that was missing. Clearly, I need to listen to some more Winston Churchill speeches because I don't have anything. I can't even contribute to this piece of... Hey, there's, there's really just the one that I'm more of, and that's just thanks to Iron Maiden. So, you know. <laughs> Oh, the, yeah, the, the Churchill speech, the intro, yeah. Oh, my gracious. Ace me. is high. Okay, now we are meandering. We are really wow. meandering. If, if, if I say we're meandering, you, you know, know we we're meandering. wandered so far from the path that you can't even see it. Yeah, that is that is true. Well, are you we, about we, to say something? I was, we were talking about making adjustments. Yes, thank you, Chris, because I was trying to remember what we were talking about. I knew it had to Good do hosting, with transitions, Chris. but I, for the life of me, could not figure out what we were talking about. But it is, I mean, you do have to figure out what it is about the way you're interacting in those transitions. Like, do you, you know, fly by the seat of your pants and your kids really need a lot more stability Then you might have to adjust what you're doing, right? I mean, if you're, if you tend to be the fly by the seat of your pants, you can't just say, well, my kids just need to learn to be flexible. 
okay, we can come, maybe we can meet in the middle somewhere. The kids can learn to be flexible. At some point they will, they'll learn that that's how mom and dad are. Um, we tend to be a little more fly by the seat of our pants at our house. But what we know is that our kids need more transition than that. They need more than just, Hey, let's go. We're going to go for a ride because that just, it just derails them because they have these expectations of what's coming next. And if we don't have it a little more scheduled, so we have to give them that transitional time. So we have to give them extra time if we're, you know, to gather all of their things, if we're going to go in the car, or we have to give them a five minute warning before we're going to start um, a new activity, or we have to give them, you know, sometimes we give them multiple warnings before we're going to start or, you know, things like that. Sometimes we give, like we talked about last time, I think some like step down activities. So like, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to go directly from the most fun activity to the least fun activity. We're going to maybe have something yeah. in between that's, you know, a little bit, you know, like going from uh, playing on the playground to having a snack, then back to home, you know, those kinds of things. But I think, you know, making sure we, we take care of what our part is in it, that we can do to make it better. And then beyond that piece, sometimes our kids need a skill. They need something. They need for us to teach them something that will allow them to manage those transitions better. We need them to learn something um, to help them in those moments. We need to, maybe we're teaching them how to, um, like, let's say we're transitioning from the car to the grocery store and maybe we need to teach them the skill of how to walk through the store so that that doesn't become such a crazy transition from, you know, car where they're playing and doing whatever they want to store where they have to stick close together or whatever. So maybe we need to, to work on some kind of a skill that will help them be able to go from one activity to the next. Yeah. And, and, and again, you don't do that unless you, you learn from the observation, right. right? Like, just just imagine Chris Turner. I mean, never mind. I've got ideas, but I'll tell you guys when we're not recording. <laughs> uh, but just imagine Chris in his best Winston Churchill voice saying that to you to make his observation, <laughs> observations and put them into, into practice, right? Because, I mean, remember that song we used to sing in Sunday school about the wise man who built his house on the rock and mm -hmm. the foolish man who built his house in the sand? Well, of course, that is uh, actual scripture that's turned into a children's song. Because, um, you know, it says a wise man, you know, he who hears my words and puts them into practice is a wise man who builds his, like a wise man who builds his house in the rock. He who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice um, is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. So according to that particular teaching of Jesus, the difference between wisdom and foolishness was action, mm. right? It was it, like, like everybody heard, everybody heard. Now, let me, let me sort of transpose that a, a little bit. Every, everybody can make the observation, but the difference between whether you're going to see positive change or not is whether you actually make adjustments and put those, what you learned into action. Because just making, adjustment, uh, making uh, observations is not enough. You're just the foolish man building the house on the sand. And again, you know, we would be uh, doing everybody a disservice if we didn't say, yes, this does require more work. It does, but you also get better results if you're willing to do the work. Hey friends, this is Dallas, your favorite and only Empowered Parent podcast producer and editor. I wanted to tell you about our Patreon page and how you can become a Patreon subscriber. If you go to patreon.com slash empowered parent, 
you can sign up to support our podcast starting at just $5 a month. You'll gain access to our exclusive Facebook group only for patrons. There's also other levels where you can get access to exclusive audio content and guest interviews, recorded classes, monthly Q&As to answer your questions, and also personal parent coaching where you can share some struggles you may be having and brainstorm ideas and get some resources to really help your family. And we so appreciate you listening. And we would love your support for the podcast and to become a part of our Patreon family of listeners. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash empoweredparent. Yeah, I think there was uh, one little component in between the, the hearing and then the taking action, and that was the understanding. Mm. Because I think the reason that people don't take action is a lack of understanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which yes. can be an issue with you know parents like us and our kids, especially if they're new to our home, we haven't had, maybe had a chance to do that detective work yet, so we're not quite understanding where that behavior is coming from, right? right. And so that's yep. part of that whole observing uh, platform is we've got to get as much information as we possibly can mm-hmm. to then take that action. Well, and the more yeah, that's we, so good. the more we kind of put things, um, we we start to understand our kids. We start to put little things into place, like, okay, I recognize that my kids need a little more time. The more it it becomes more automatic. Like we just, we'd start doing that because I know that my kids need more time. So I have to set myself timers because I also know about myself that I'm not good at remembering. So if I know that we need to leave the house in, in, you know, I need to give my kids at least five minutes before we're going to go on to the next activity or leave the house or whatever, then I'm going to set myself a reminder to remind the kids, I'm going to set myself, you know, I'm going to say, okay, or, or sometimes I just, I trick myself and like, I'll put it on my calendar that we need to leave the house at three 15 when we actually didn't need to leave the house until three 30 or, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I go ahead and give myself 15 minutes, like when I put it in my calendar so that when I get there, I'm pleasantly surprised that I'm 15 minutes early versus, you know, 20 minutes late. So, but that, I mean, just having to, the more we do it, the more it becomes second nature for us. I was talking to a mom the other day who said, it's just so hard to remember all the things that we need to do to help our kids. And I said, because you can't remember all the things you need to do to, to help your kids. That's why we put one little thing into practice at a time. We don't try and, you know, you, you might listen to all of our podcast episodes and be like, there's no way I could possibly do all the things you're talking about. But realizing that we're doing those things but we didn't start doing them yesterday. We didn't start, we started doing them more than a decade ago. And so the things that we're putting into practice have been slowly over time. We pick one little thing that we want to work on and we put it into practice. And then when we kind of get in the habit of doing that little thing, then we put another little thing into practice and we slowly add to what we're doing, which means that the, the behaviors might not get better as fast as we'd like them to. We might not see all the changes at once, but if you start seeing little changes, it, it helps you keep going. You know, you know, Kayla, I I love how you said fessed up to really about the, having the clock set in correctly. (laughs) Cause I remember for about the first 10 years of our marriage, I had like no idea what time it was. If I was in a car that was, that was owned by Kayla North. (laughs) Oh, I literally um, I had to changed the my, time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, and, and it was like weird because like this call was nine minutes behind and the clock inside the house was 12 minutes be- ahead and I, I just couldn't keep up. So, <laughs> so I just, you know, just bought myself a watch. This is pre, you know, Apple Watch era and just, just looked at it because, you know. <laughs> but, but I think what you highlight there, though, is, is we have to understand how we're contributing both positively and negatively. Yeah. Right? Because if you're somebody who is perpetually running behind, um, coupled with the fact that, that 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 you haven't worked through your whole childhood yet and and what your parents think about your late arrival is the most is like really stressing you out well now you're yelling at the kids and it really hadn't got anything to do with them right because because mm-hmm. you didn't pay attention to the clock you've got unresolved issues and that's why we have to always will always every opportunity i have i will tell people You've got to do the work to understand you mm-hmm. so you can understand what, why you're triggered the way you do, and then you can become free from that. Now, boy, that sounds super easy when Ryan says it in five seconds. Yes, it's not. It's, it's a not journey. Yeah. It's years of work, but it's so worth it because Kelly and I can both attest to this. You know, Chris, you, we don't talk about this, this thing a lot, and people may think that that's odd that we don't discuss a lot of this outside of when we do the show. But, but Kelly and I can attest that if you will do the work to make sense of that stuff, um, all of a sudden, um, your buttons become smaller and you're realizing that you're transitioning from one activity to another without you being a contributing factor. Like, like you've turned from, uh, from gasoline to water. There's still a fire, but, <laughs> but you've now transitioned you're, and you're still liquid. But you're no longer gasoline. You're now water. And that's really the direction that we have to, have to head mm-hmm. in. Right? We tell people all the time, like if there's chaos... Uh, don't join them in the chaos. You got to invite them to your calm. Yeah. And 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 nowhere is that is that more true um, than in managing managing transitions. I, I think you know when when kids are struggling, um, particularly you know when when big things have happened in their life. Talking about our part in managing those transitions, um, I think we need to be honest and I think we need to listen, which is hard again for people who have not made sense of their own history. Because most of us, if I'm guessing, that we're not raised in environments where people uh, were completely honest with us about what was going on. And certainly we weren't raised in an environment where adults listened to kids or gave any and assigned any value um, to to their feelings. You know, uh, we know people who are, who are adults now, um, older than us, but who are adults who have spoken to us and said, I was never told of my mother's passing. She was there one day and then she wasn't. And then I didn't even go to her funeral. They said I was too young to understand. I just kind of had to figure it mm-hmm. out. But talk about the opposite of being honest with somebody about what, what they're, what they're mm. experiencing. Well, I think that's true in major life transitions. I think sometimes, you know, talking about, you know, when, when there's a death in the family or when there is something really big that impacts your kids, but it also impacts you. And so you yourself are grieving, you're grieving a loss, you know, whether it be because you, you know, lost a job or whether it be because you lost a loved one or whether it be because you moved across the country, you're grieving a loss and then you're trying to help your child. And we don't think of that necessarily as a transition, but it's a life transition. And we have to be honest with our kids and we have to talk to them about that loss and, and if we're stuck in our own grief, and I don't mean like you just have to get over it because you got to help your kids, but I mean stuck in it. You know, like if you if you've ever been, I I was there a few years ago. You know, we went through a really hard situation, 
and like all of our life changed and I got really stuck in my grief and it was really hard for me to help my kids and my kids were really sad about it, you know? And then Ryan was trying to like help me not be stuck in my grief and the kids and didn't have time for himself to grieve, you know? I mean, it was like we had this whole cycle of, of grief happening in the house and, and it was a major life transition. It was hard for everybody in the house, but if mom and dad aren't healthy and able to work through it for themselves and help the kids work through it, then you get stuck in it, you know, and you get to that place where you're just going round and round and everybody's upset about everything and, you know, and it's hard. It's, I mean, it's a hard place to be. Yeah. And we've been there before because we, you know, or at least for me, I really, I had a hard time just, just going, okay, we got to get through this. How can I help other people if I can't even stop crying, you know? <laughs> right. So, and that's a hard place. And I think that's talking about these types of transitions, these major life transitions, as well as, you know, the, the tiny ones. They, hey, it's time to go to the grocery store. It's time to go over to grandma and grandpa's right. house. That come, we know these things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. We just don't know when these things are going to happen yep. necessarily. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't start planning ahead now. Yeah. For the, for those, so what are some strategies that we can give our parents out there to help minimize? Because I'm not going to say, you know, take away because right. that ain't going right. to happen, especially in the beginning when you're first starting to implement them. But what are some strategies that we use to minimize meltdowns and other struggles of transition? Great, great question, Mr. Chris. Um, <laughs> well, th- well, thank you. That's why we, I get paid the uh, big bucks. <laughs> we're we're, uh, we're um, Listen, I'm, I think that of all the things we talk about, all the tools, all the strategies, and, and, and I'm going to say two things, and then we can come back to them. Um, choices and compromises can, can work in almost any situation that I can think of right now, yeah. particularly in, 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 in managing transitions. But there's a third thing uh, and that, that I just wanted to talk about, and that is when kids get stuck in their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about when we teach is we have to help, we have to teach our children an emotional vocabulary, yeah. right? Because most of us are happy, sad, or mad. Yeah. And the problem with that is that people who are raised where you're allowed to be happy, sad, or mad, and then you were told you couldn't be sad because your feelings weren't welcome <laughs> here, and if you didn't stop crying, I'd give you something to cry <laughs> about. So, so most of us parents are particularly emotionally stunted. And so now we're coming back to the thing I said earlier, and that is this. You have to do the work. You have to make sense of your past because you um, can't give what you don't yourself possess. And so if I'm stuck in happy, sad, and mad, I'm going to have kids that are happy, sad, and mad. And Kayla is really great at this. Now, I realize that she's my wife, and you all may say, well, of course you're going to say that she's your wife. Everybody's kids. Are no, she's really great at this in that she reflects the kids' feelings back to them, and she doesn't correct them. So that's, that's a subtle difference, but it's an important one. And so when somebody is like, I'm so mad... And Kelly says, I can tell you're frustrated, honey. Do you want to talk about that? I can, I can see that you're disappointed. How can I help you? And so she just um, engages them, but actually gives a better, um, names a better, a more accurate emotion is what I'm saying, right? And so over time, without the kids ever been given out, these are the behavior, these, these are the emotions, here's a chart, <laughs> memorize it. None of that nonsense, right? But our kids are, are pretty good 
about expressing the emotion they're actually experiencing. And so um, in terms of, of transitions tend to lead to fewer meltdowns in our home because the kids have a developed emotional vocabulary that Kayla and I certainly didn't have when we were children, right? We were happy. Well, I don't know about your house, babe, but in my house, we had happy, sad, and mad, and you weren't allowed to be sad. <laughs> and so, um, but now our kids, the meltdowns um, aren't as big. And like you said, I, I cannot guarantee that I can remove all of the meltdowns. But what I can guarantee is we can make them fewer and further between. And then when they happen, that they will be less intense. And so we have less intense meltdowns. And, and today when I told them that in, in, in 10 minutes, they had to stop what they were doing and it was time for dinner, that 10 minutes later, 11 months later, I said, hey, guys, remember when I told you 10 minutes ago that you had to, you'd have to stop what you were doing in 10 minutes uh, and, and come for dinner? And they said, yeah. And I said, that was 11 minutes ago. And my eight-year-old, who potentially should be the most volatile here, right, here because, uh, you know, she's only eight. She has limited emotional development and capacity. Went, okay. Yeah. Be because we've helped manage, we've helped them understand their feelings and we've also offered them these, these two choices and compromises. And there are a few people I know who explain those better uh, than my lovely bride. Well, I think, I think compromises in, in the transition minutes, I think, you know, the, uh, those transitional times, you know, compromises are one of those great things. If we leave ourselves enough time that our kids can use to still feel like they have been heard and their voice matters. And yet we can still keep the train moving down the track, right? It's not a, a bribery. We're not trying to bribe our kids to do something. We're, we're letting them have a voice. And that's the thing about compromises that for me is key is that I'm not giving my child a compromise. Even though we always say giving compromises, I'm not really giving them a compromise. I'm allowing them to ask for a compromise. And that's the thing that in those moments, you know, we'll have like the example Ryan gave of, you know, tonight, it was like 10 minutes, you know, okay, it's been, you know, it's been 11 minutes, time to, time to shut it down. We got to get ready for bed. And she said, okay, daddy, can I have, you know, can I finish? And she had one more thing she needed to do. And he said, well, how long is that going to take you? And she said about 10 seconds. And he's like, yeah, I think I can, I can give you those extra 10 <laughs> seconds. You know, I mean, it was so cute because it was like, most kids would have just done it, you know, and been like, well, I'm just going to do this real quick. And then we would have yelled at them because mm. we would have been mad because mm. they didn't do what we asked right away. But she just stopped and said, could I have, could I, could I have a compromise? Can I finish this? It'll take me about 10 more seconds. Of course, absolutely. But she knew her voice mattered and she knew she was going to get a yes because it was very reasonable. She didn't say, well, can I just have 30 more minutes? Cause I was really having fun. You know, she knew 30 more minutes was not going to be reasonable. Um, but it, it's interesting, though, because the more we give our kids the opportunity to ask for a compromise, the better they get at asking for something that is reasonable, the better they get at asking for what they need. But the big thing, and I've probably said this a zillion times before, um, is that we have to prepare for our kids asking for mm -hmm. a compromise. Like, I know yeah. my mm -hmm. kids are going to ask for a compromise. So if I need to walk out the door at six o'clock to get to a dinner, you know, we're going to dinner somewhere and I need to walk out the door at six o'clock or we are going to be late, then I 
And I know it's going to take my kids at least 15 minutes to get out the door. At at least. Then I can't ask them to get ready to go at 545. I have to prepare because I know my kids struggle with transitions. And I know some people probably hear that and go, well, they just need to learn that when mom and dad say it's time to go, it's time to go. Eventually they do. I mean, honestly, that's the reality of it. I know my kids, my older kids, who are much better able to regulate themselves, much better able to transition because they've been with us a long time. They've been doing this a long time. I can tell my 16 and my 18 year old, we got to go now. And they stand up and they walk out the door. Like it's not a problem for them. So I'm just going to say that. Like if you're saying, well, my kids need to learn how to, they, they eventually can learn those things. They eventually can learn that flexibility. But when I've got kids that are struggling and they're going to throw a fit every time I say it's time to go and they just want to do one more thing. I mean, it's sit and listen to them have a fit and have this, this power struggle that will ensue because my kids want to do something and I need them to do something. Or I can plan a little bit. I can give my kids an opportunity to ask for a compromise and then we can move forward. Like, it seems like a no-brainer to me, but parents fight about it all the time because they're like, no, I just need my kids to do what I say. Like, I get it. But are they doing what you say? Like, how's that working for you? Like, Right. When they're not doing it in the first place, it, then what right? does it hurt to try something different? Yeah. So yeah. what does it hurt to try? Let's give them a voice. Let's help them feel seen. Let's help them feel heard and see if it makes a difference. Because it has in my house. I have kids that are perfectly capable of being flexible and they have been given choices and compromises almost their entire life. You know, my older kids, it it was, it was a little bit later on in their life. You know, they're 18 and 16 now and they were probably, you know, six and eight at the time, maybe four and six, you know, when we really started implementing some of these things, they've been doing it for a long time and they are flexible They are not rigid. They do not have to have all these extra times because as they've grown and matured and their brains have developed and they've learned to trust us, they know that when mom and dad say, we got to go, we got to go. But it's taken time. It didn't happen overnight. And I think it's time for us to go. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well done. I like it. Thanks. Again, that's why I get paid the bucks. (laughs) You got skills. So parents, uh, we hope that that's been a help for you give you some ideas, things to try with your own kids. And if you have any questions that you'd like to throw our way, maybe a specific situation that you've just really been struggling with that we might be able to lend some insight into, please reach out to us at info at onebighappyhome.com. You can squeeze that into 280 characters. You can always tweet it to us at onebighappyhome. And we're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook group for our podcast listeners. Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast community. You'll, I'm sure, get lots of ideas there on strategies to you know, help manage transitions a lot better for you and your kids. You can subscribe to this podcast on, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify if you're not already subscribed. We'd love for you to, to subscribe to the podcast. That, that helps bump, bump up our numbers, uh, helps us uh, ele- elevate the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, presence, I guess, of the podcast. Yeah, more people can uh, find those, us. Uh, uh, yeah, it's e- it's easier for them to find us, right? 
Uh, and please leave us a review in, either, in any of those locations if you've gotten any value from the show. Uh, we love reading reviews. Kayla, from time to time, uh, kind of as a, a pre-show activity as we're getting ourselves situation, we'll, we'll read reviews and, and stuff to me and Ryan. And we love getting y'all's feedbacks, and we really, really appreciate that as well. Chris, I got a show idea. I know you're trying to land the plane, but just one show idea for you. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's take a show idea where you read reviews as Winston Churchill. <laughs> just one episode, you're reading reviews as Winston Churchill. A, I don't know if my Winston Churchill is that good, and B, I'm not sure how long I could keep it up. But <laughs> practice, buddy, practice. <laughs> you hey, work on Maybe that. we could do something like that, that and that would be a, like a, a patrons-only <laughs> You know, kind of uh, yes. kind of deal. You can only get Chris's like Winston that. Churchill if you're a Patreon subscriber. We'll have more on I love that it. later. That's awesome. I love it. As always, everyone, thanks for listening. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. 